Sir Dylan. Yes, what's that, Coop? Dude, doth thou rememberest Macross? Ah, very good, Squire. (laughs) (laughs) Hello, everybody. Welcome to this week's episode of Do Do You Remember Macross? I'm obviously Coop, and that's uh, my cohort, Dylan. They call me Dylan. Uh, From time to time. (laughs) Yes. Um, Yeah, so how how has your week been? I'm a very tired boy myself. Yeah, um, so, yeah, no, we had, uh, some funeral business to do, my family, uh, and so we were, we were helping to host, uh, a bunch of family from out of town. Really, we got, we got lucky, uh, we only had to host one cousin and, um, an uncle. Gotcha. Uh, so it wasn't too bad, but, you know, I still wanted to make sure, like, things were Gucci. Yeah, it's... Oh, that situation, it's its its uh, very difficult to make sure everything is gushy and up on top. It's rough stuff, my boy. Rough yeah, stuff. yeah. <laughs> um, but on, yeah, so that sounds like, like that, that's been a very busy week for you with all that. Um, over here, it's just been work, 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 and super Yay. exhausting. And I did... Uh, I did I did buy more things on the Mandarake because I have weak will. Um, <laughs> so I got I got that Valkyrie in. It's cool. I didn't even need to look at the instructions to transform it because I'm that professional. Um, all those experience, all that experience with Hasbro t- uh, Transformers. Yes. And the like I I am. They call me the Hasbro because I I has <laughs> I has the skills. Um, and that's cool. I ordered, uh, what was the other one I ordered? I ordered a VF4 Lightning, which uh, shows up in a thing we'll be watching eventually that was super obscure. And, um, and can't wait for that. Yeah. And when I saw, okay, this is, this is most of the dumbest impulse purchase I've probably ever made because mm-hmm. it said the price was, oh, 10,000 yen. That's roughly $100. Oh boy, what'd you get? Uh, so yeah, that's why I paid for the VF4, and I was okay. lucky it was that much, because mm-hmm. you're lucky to get anything Macross these days at real t- retail price. Like you're getting oh. a deal if you get it at retail price. Man, <laughs> yeah, isn't that like nuts? <laughs> that's uh, that's no bueno. No, that's very no bueno. So <laughs> after that, I'm like, I am. Mandarake, be be gone. I am not looking at this stuff. I I did also buy a Macross 7 poster, though, to go with my original Macross poster, and it looks pretty cool. That, Mm. I don't know, money. And and then we were talking a little bit before we started this. We both both saw the movie in which Ant-Man climbs up Thanos' butt and Uh, gets giant. Yeah. Spoilers for our lovely audience out there. They can't know that that actually happens. Yeah, it, totally. It, totally. No, we're we're not going to say actual things about the end game. Um, um, you already said that Ant-Man's in the movie, Coop. I think we're fucked. Who's who's Ant-Man? I don't know who you're talking about. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. No, Ant-Man. Are you talking? Well, I thought you were talking about uh, 
fifth uh, patriarch of the Tojo clan, Paul Rudd. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, there there we go. <laughs> this is dumb. Let's move on. Okay, let's let's get moving. Let's get moving. Okay. So uh, the uh end end game is proto culture that is too powerful for us. Too powerful. It's it's too strong. Too strong. Alright, so let's <laughs> let's just get going into these episodes here. And we have mm-hmm. a special four episode run for all y'all because there's a clip show in this, but we'll get to that when we get to it. So mm-hmm. aren't we coming up on another clip show? I think next there's week? A, I think there's another clip show next week as well. So <laughs> like unless unless Robotech did some heavy, impressive editing, I think we have another clip show coming up we, we they're just an embarrassment of clip shows <laughs> that's that's got to be a record because i know um hey yay it's the weekly mention of gundam uh gundam De- see destiny gets like a lot of flack for like having a ton of clip shows um uh, and rightly so i haven't seen that show in like damn near a decade but it was ridiculous um robotech having two clip shows within like the span of five episodes is a little silly to me. Yeah, I think like it's... they must have really been uh, flexing their muscles, like getting ready for the next arc, as it were. I I th- I, I think so. I remember this second clip show that we'll talk about next week. I think it does a little different things with mm-hmm. it than what we're going to watch today or talk about today. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, that's. It's a clip show frenzy. At least there isn't another one after that. I, I honestly, yeah. I think in all of Macross, this might be the only clip show. I, I could be wrong. Yeah, though. no, I, I believe these are it. Again, yeah. assuming that Robotech didn't change anything. Who knows? that's where my knowledge is coming from. Only the Robotech masters know. <laughs> <laughs> all right. So, starting on episode 13 here, uh, the bridge notices that they're getting closer to Earth, um, and they're super excited about it, but Claudia's like, yo, we're we're still swamped by this Entrati here, so it's, it's, it's cool and all, but we need to keep that in mind. Meanwhile, we go back to the burlap ba- bag squad, the Blue Wind, and they're like, we need, we need some real clothes, and they see our classic bridge crew walking by and they're like let's go to the disco and get ready and they're all like what's a disco and they see the ladies walk in to the locker room get changed and go and they're like people change uniforms depending on where they go we we need to get in on this preposterous yeah what is this and so they literally go into this dressing room and rip it apart to get get some clothes and they're not super familiar with earthling myclone clothing so one of the guys puts on a skirt and a blouse and he's like this feels a little weird but whatever i'm I'm going (laughs) he goes for it i I like i like that the others in trotty are just like no you look perfect let's go let's just go it doesn't matter you're you're wearing these myclone clothes it's all the same (laughs) to us um and then from there we switch our focus. Hikaru, Max, Misa, and Kakizaki are debriefing on their whole experience on the Centrati ship with Global and a bunch of UN higher-ups. And they're estimating through their talking that the Centrati fleet is four to five million strong. And those higher-ups are just like, what? Are, are, are you kidding me? 
And then Misa goes on to talk about, they find out about what they found out about the Zentradi culture, how focused on war they are, how they're making their big people small, what they were talking about, protoculture, and everybody but Global laughs it off, saying that they're crazy, and Global's like, shut up, let's listen to them, okay? Let's be practical about this. Mm -hmm. And... Global from here plans to bust through the Zentradi forces within the next two days to get back to Earth so they can get that information back to the UN High Command. And then from there, Global's like, you four, you've been through a bunch of stuff. Just just go. Just go relax. Forget about this for a while. And as they're walking out, Global tells Misa, I believe you, but it's going to be a hard sell for anybody else in UN High Command. And when being told this, Misa is still pretty down about having lost the camera while while in the escape. Yeah. And the guys are walking behind her in front of her or whatever. And they're they're happy. They've all been kind of promoted. But it seems like a mute happiness. Like it's just like a weird perk they got from it that they're not too plussed or minus about. From there, the Blue Wind guys, we go back to them. And they're just walking I around. I love yes. this group. <laughs> Sorry, no, I don't really have much to say on them. I just okay. wanted to interject with how much I love these three weirdos. Yes. Like, just kind of going around and being like, what? Day culture? Day culture? Well, what is this? <laughs> yeah, because they're going around the city and they're just totally confused because nightlife is bustling. People are walking around. There's men and women. And you got purple hair guy walking around. He's walking hands first for some reason. And he just I think he was like tur- he turned around to look at something and then like he had his hand out, I guess maybe for balance or like I don't know. But or maybe it's just a contrived reason for what next happens. Yes, because he just goes boobs first into a lady and she's like, What the hell are you doing? Slaps the shit out of him. And Flutie she just walks Flutie. off, and he's like, what? And then from there, they keep on getting confused by, these males and these females, they're together, this is lewd. And they're embracing? Yeah. And and they're, they're, what, what's up with their uniforms? They look nothing the same. And then people start pointing out what they're wearing, and they're like, what's, what's up? And... And everybody's like, why is this dude wearing a dress? And the guy in the dress, not Mario, very, was not like... Not very progressive, but uh-uh. I guess it was 2009. Yeah, it, it was the very, very long time ago <laughs> time of 2009. And everybody's like, ah, and they're drawing attention to themselves. So they oh, run... God, we were freshmen, weren't we? In high we school, We were freshmen yeah. in high school. Oh, my God. Holy... <laughs> Yeah, it really was a different time. <laughs> we just we just rode the way back machine. <laughs> Jeez. Now I feel All right, yeah, sorry to distract you. Oh, real you're good. Quick, I like, instantly I was feel like, Man, I would have been one of those people pointing and laughing at this poor dude who just wants to wear a dress. I'm True. the worst. I'm better now. Yes. I am I I think I might have fallen into that same boat back then too. Oh boy. I, I feel instantly Thank God 50 it's years 2019. older. Thank goodness. Uh, <laughs> but anyway, they uh, run off to the bathroom to hide. And Wariwa, the guy in the dress, runs into the men's room. And some dude's like, go in this other room. And the ladies are screaming. And he runs out of the... 
he get lumps up over uh, the women's door and he's all scratched up and messed up. He's like, what's going on? <laughs> I'm just following orders and all I get is abuse. Yeah, he's just like, <laughs> and he has like a big old scratch across his face. He he got he got done fucked up, son. Uh, Man. So we, we go back to our four survivors here. And they're on the Miss Macross stage and they're being honored for their escape and their heroic efforts of getting this information back to the Macross and all that. And then Min, ba- Min May comes by and is like, here's some flowers for your victory. And she pecks everybody, says a little something to Hikaru in passing, saying like, hey, looks like we both got famous <laughs> while you were gone. <laughs> and uh, Blue Wind is in the crowd. They're watching it and they're like, What's going on? I, I, this is weird. And then Min May starts to do the Kuhn Kuhn again. And they're even more <laughs> confused to see, oh, those people escaped. They're up there. And this music, it's weird, but I like it. <laughs> I'm gonna, I'm gonna quote my favorite line from the English dub of Trigun. Uh, what twisted Christian science is this? <laughs> <laughs> I was also thinking of that line from four when he's uh, getting a cup of coffee for the first time. He's like, mm-hmm. this drink, more of it. Give me more. And he breaks the cup. <laughs> <laughs> oh, boy. <laughs> All right. Um, so during the performance, Misa notices with Hikaru, hey, you're looking kind of odd here. You know, what's what's going on? And he's like, it's just the lights. But you can kind of tell from this that the widening of the gap between Hikaru and Minmei has grown. They're, yeah. it's, they've come a far way since they were two kids who got randomly scra- uh, stranded in the middle of the bowels of the Macross. So a lot, a lot has happened. And then the concert goes on. And a little bit afterwards, uh, Misa goes back onto the bridge. And the crew is super excited to see her. And Misa's now captain. So she's back on to her post and, you know, Claudia comes up to her and is like, hey, you should you should loosen up a bit more. And wow, she actually has because she makes a joke at her own expense, which is pretty <laughs> good. And everybody's wondering, why why are you here? You know, you're kind of ordered to take some R&R. And Misa's all like, well, I'm the most comfortable here, so I'm just going to hang out. So It's really nice how excited the entire crew is to see her, though. Yes. Um, especially, like, we were talking a couple weeks ago about, like, how Misa feels like she doesn't really have a life outside of, like, wanting to see... Uh, I'm drawing a blank on the dude's name. It starts oh, with Ryber. Her Ryber, thank you. Um, Ryber. So it's it's really nice to have her kind of have this moment of, oh man, I do belong somewhere. <laughs> yeah, because it seems like since this whole experience of being captured by the Zentradi, she has taken a very large chill pill and is just kind of like, you know what, this is what it is, I'm just going to roll with it. Yeah. I, I like that quite a bit. Um, And so... While Misa's chilling in her normal schedule, the boys try to do the same. They're heading out to get deployed, but Roy speeds on up with his boys, Roy's boys, if you will. And uh, 
Roy's like, yeah, you guys were ordered to not do anything. So you're going to go or I'm going to chew you out. So they just <laughs> like, OK, we're, we're going, Roy. And Roy's like, damn right you are. Um, in the meantime, he's like, sorry, I just want oh, to interrupt Roker because he's like, you know, he's standing up and screaming despite the fact that he's supposed to be in the driver's seat. So the guy riding shotgun like takes over. Yeah, the wheel. it's so pretty really great. good moments. There's trying to have this conversation with two speeding vehicles next to each other. <laughs> <laughs> it's pretty good. <laughs> now we just Roy need to put is incredibly put, reckless. What yes. were you about to say? I was going to say so reckless. You should probably put Vin Diesel in one of those cars. Oh my goodness! That's the new Fast and the Furious movie. Fast mm-hmm. and the Furious uh, Intercontinental Space Drift. <laughs> Oh, okay. So, uh, the Meltran are staying hot on the trail of the Macross. They're just like, hey, we're just going to follow. We're we're just going to let them do their thing. No worries. And Global predicted this and is like, they're going to stay close to us. Whatever. We're just going to keep heading for Earth. And then we switch over to Comgene. He's like, okay, no, I want to destroy the Macross. I no, they're not getting away in one piece. Uh, I'm let's go. We're screwed guys at the Macross. We're we're not we're taking them down. So the um, they start their attack. The, Vac- the Valkyries are scrambled. Uh, the Macross deploys the pinpoint barrier and it starts to transform so they can bull rush and break through the Zentradi forces. And then while everybody else is already, uh, the uh, civilians of the Macross have already evacuated for the transformation, the Blue Wind hasn't because they're like, what's going on? Uh, what's, why is everybody gone? And they get caught in the city as the panels start splitting and shifting all around. Luckily, they don't die or get sucked out, but... They, they're like, is this the proto-culture? Yeah, that's like, what? What what is this? Uh, the protoculture will kill us all. Yeah, I, I guess it's like you know when you live your life as a soldier, you don't really have to worry about like civilians taking, uh, you know, having to drill for transformation sequences Mm-mm. or emergency scenarios. Though I, I yeah, it's true. And I, for what I dug about this too, y'all, you obviously seen from when they did that panicked transformation earlier on that like Macross City's like, we've got this together. We're not going to let this nonsense happen again. I, I like that quite a bit that they've gotten that stuff around. Mm-hmm. Um, so speaking of the Macross, so in while bull rushing, they have the Macross all transform and they're like, Okay, let's 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 blaze a path through this nonsense. So they fire off the main gun, and as that happens, Comgene's like, "No, no, I'm fire, 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 just burn them to the ground." And then as that's going on, Misa starts to second guess herself on whether is it really worth it to go through all this? And then Claudia's like, okay, this isn't the time to be down for yourself. We, we got to get through this like right now. Like, come on, girl, we got, we got yeah. to do this. And in the meantime, uh, lap Lamis and the rest of the male trans show up and they're like, come, come on, Comgene. Are you, are you kidding me? This isn't in the plan. Like <laughs> Not this shit again. <laughs> you 
dumb sack of shit. So they <laughs> they move in on Comgene to basically <laughs> cock block his ships so they don't attack anymore. And Laplamis promises to Comgene, I'm going to blow the shit out of your fleet if you don't stop right now. And then Comgene, like the little bitch he is, is like, okay, but I'm going to get my revenge on you, Laplamis. And the bridge, everybody's like, what just happened? But Global's like, forget about this. We have a chance to get back to Earth. Let's do this. Let's We're breaking through. We're landing now. And uh, chart a course for Alaska. We're heading that way right now. And unfortunately, the Macross took some damage in the battle. So they end up crash landing in the middle of the Pacific Ocean. And just like a bob when you go fishing, the Macross submerges a uh, underneath the ocean and then comes back up in like a giant strident pose and just lays there. And then as the bay doors open, everybody in the Macross is like breathing easy and they're brought to tears that, hey, we're finally home after That's about a really a, good moment. Yeah. Like after a year of this nonsense, we are home and oh, and everybody starts crying and they're very relieved However, they realize in doing this, this is try to right behind them. So carrying on from here onto the next episode, um, Global, now that they've had a little time to readjust to being back on Earth, Global starts putting his report together for the high command. And this is where we get our clip show where he just starts recapping the events to where we are now. And I got to say, I've noticed this um, in the last couple, especially in episode 13 here. And I, I feel like there was some stuff reanimated for this clip show. Mm. The animation has been on point these last couple episodes. I was actually going to ask about that because, I mean, it might have been. But, like, I think the version I saw on YouTube, like, it looked good. But I everyone looked kind of off model to me. I, I could see that a little bit. I, I think... At least for me, when I was looking at this, I was more mm. looking at like the mechanical designs. Yeah. Um, okay, that's fair. I was paying more attention to the, uh, not the storyboard, but like I was paying more attention to like the art design. I, I don't gotcha. know. Gotcha. No, I get what I get. What you're saying, because then the animation itself. Yeah. So like the animation was probably killer. I just you know it didn't stand out to me like the uh, the designs did. <laughs> No, I, I, I'm kind of there with you because it does. The characters do occasionally kind of go off model here and there and they look a little odd and a little dead in the eyes from time to time. Mm-hmm. So I don't know. I, I At least for me, I kind of chalk that up to being a very early 80s anime yeah. at times. They had their they had their priorities for this episode. And yeah, it wasn't the characters this time. Well, we were talking about um, the clip shows. Um, I heard some things about like when this when it was being produced, they did have some money issues here and mm-hmm. there. So that might be why we have the amount of clip shows we do um, and why some of the animation looks a little iffy here and there. Um, Makes sense. Because what year was Zeta? If you if you remember, was it uh, like Zeta was like 80? I want to say 84. OK, Let me look that up now. Because I was just uh, kind of curious how that relates to this, because I know they were a similar time. 86? 86? Uh, oh, okay. Yeah, it was uh, aired between 1985 and 86. Yep. Okay. 
then that puts it a little more in line with do you remember love but then again do you remember love was a big expensive movie so yeah i also think like zeta gundam had the uh opportunity to kind of flex their muscles after the success of the movies and the toy line true because they had a bunch of merchandising money and nonsense from the original gundam to we're just gonna put all the money into this show I don't think I've seen any other Gundam show commit to showing the characters just kind of floating as uh, Zeta Gundam specifically has. Because, like, there there are a lot of shows where they kind of forget that the characters are in space. I getcha. Because they, they've done a little bit of that here when the ship transforms and does the anti-graph stuff. But, yeah, you're... I, yeah. Like, yeah, you're right. I haven't seen a bunch of shows from this period at least from what i've seen really take account into hey we're in space so we're floating but that's a good pointer um so the clip show goes on through and we get to the end of the clip show and misa's all like hey here's some coffee cap and uh they start talking about what's gonna happen next is the high command gonna even believe us uh what's gonna go on with the people of the ship and so Carrying on from this episode into episode 15, the two hop on a plane for Alaska to share the report with the high command. And then in the meantime, they bring another guy onto the Macross, whose uniform, I notice, oddly changes from Global's colors to different colors during this whole scene. Just to, yeah, He's just uh, covering <laughs> for Global. I thought that animation error was kind of funny. Um <laughs> And he does the whole bit when Global first got on the Macross where he bangs he his, head. his head and he's about to light a cigar. It's like no smoking. Uh, <laughs> and then in this process, Claudia's like, I- I'm going to duck out. I got, I got some stuff I got to do. And so there's a huge party in the meantime going on on the deck of the Daedalus. Everybody's like celebrating. Hey, we're home. We're back on Earth. We're going to be out of here soon. Then the blue wind's there and they're like, I don't know what's going on, but they have this alcohol we can get drunk with. So this is good for us. <laughs> they get hit by that shit quick. Yeah, they do. They chug. There's, yeah, like, like, there's no they, pace. They chug and then they're like, oh, let's go. Let's go. Let's party. Bring up, it's bring... a shame they didn't show the aftermath where they discover moderation. They discover the, the hangover. <laughs> yak hangover culture <laughs> oh boy um and then min may is showing up she's getting escorted on a car um on the deck of the daedalus to hikaru who's on who's waiting for her in a prop plane and she's like uh this this kind of sucks i can't even go to the restaurant nowadays without getting a mob like i'm super popular so they uh, hop on the once she gets there uh, Min Mei hops into the prop plane with the car and they take off and she knows wow you've changed a lot since we first met like Hikari you might be a little nicer so they hop in this plane because they're actually heading out to Yokohama to visit Min Mei's folks and we notice as they take off Hikaru has really missed the easy flying of a prop plane because it's not yeah. as weighty as going around in a Valkyrie trying to evade gunfire and all that stuff um and then we go back to misa and global they've uh landed in alaska 
And then we switch back to Minmei and Hikaru. And she's, uh, while they're flying, she notes that, hey, I can, I can finally relax because when I get back, I got a movie, I got an album. I, and, and, and mind you, by album, she's like, I have an LP. LP, yeah. L- LP in 2009. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Before it became cool again. <laughs> I love that. Um, it's, uh, it was a nice, like, I'm glad that it was LP specifically. <laughs> yeah. And it really goes back to what we were talking about early on, how this vision of the future goes way more analog than the digital future we ended up having. I, yeah. I, I quite like that. Um, so she's talking and she ends up uh, talk, conking out in the backseat of the prop plane. After he says, Our "Hey, girl sh- is spent." Yeah, she is. She is a poop idol. <laughs> so we go back again to uh, Global and Misa, and they're going down a large elevator shaft in an elevator, uh, heading for the high command offices. And we learn that this elevator shaft they're in, it's basically a giant cannon that was reverse engineered from the Macross's main gun. That's like. They're like, we're going to use the gravitational energy of the Earth to fire off this cannon, and it's really destructive and stuff. And Global's like, oh, it's, it's a thing. It, it does things. And Global and Misa start spitballing, and he's like, yeah, I actually served under your father back in the Unification Wars, and I did X and Y and Z for him. And your father, he's a little staunch, but back then he was kind of one of the good guys and all that stuff. And he's like, Misa, you're looking a lot more chipper these days, you know. Um, that's that's really good to see you not being so uptight. But also know, hey, uh, it's going to be hard getting these UN bigwigs on our side because I don't think they're going to be likely to listen to our story. And they both are pretty antsy that the temporary peace they have right now it's it's very likely to come to an end once the Zentradi come back. And again, we switch perspectives. Hikaru and Minmei start going by Mount Fuji. And Hikaru's like, wake up. We're here. We're here, girl. <laughs> we're, we're about to go home. And then re-perspective switch. And the beginning with the UN bigwigs shows up. And they all project on these giant screens while Misa and Global have this little tiny desk to sit at. So they're they're surrounded on all ends by old dudes in black uniforms looking at them and they're ready. They're ready to take every piece of intel they have in this report and rip it apart down to the nitty gritty. So we go back to Hikaru and Minmei and they're just walking around Yokohama taking in the sights. Minmei's like, you're on a date with me, so you 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 dimwit do this datey stuff with me. And he's like, what? Um, it's like Hikaru's like, oh, right, I guess you are still interested in me despite being successful. Like, yeah, yes. what, what did you expect, buddy? That and the weird comments she's made on occasion. So, yeah, it's not like she forgot about you. Uh, dude. Uh, no, she's trying to live her life and also be part of yours. Yes, yeah, son. Um, so they head on to Chinatown. Hikaru's like, what? Well, why does this look like China? And then it's like, this is Chinatown, you dealt. And... <laughs> They run up into her parents' <laughs> restaurant. And while her parents are glad to see her again, they instantly start scolding her for everything. And they're like, 
we thought you died in a unification war attack or something. She's oh, like, yeah. what? All right. Yeah, no, I'm going to I'm going to save it for uh, the end of these episode recaps. But we have a lot to talk about. <laughs> yes, we do. Yes, we do. Um, <laughs> OK, so we go back to the meeting and the U.N. bigwigs are just not buying the story. And they table Global's request to let the refugees off of the Macross. And both Misa and Global are, are so frustrated by the UN's lack of willingness to do anything instead of be bureaucratic about everything. They they need action, but they're they're just not willing to go any further. And then Minmay's folks, they're talking with her and they're like, you know, this whole idol thing, you might as well be be a prostitute. Because they use the term lady of comfort. I'm like so you're basically calling your own daughter a hoe. Okay. Yeah. Cool. Uh, I mean, hmm. uh, her parents rubbed me the wrong way, like real I, fast. I'm assuming it's because they're, you know, if we take this from the year 2009 and kind of retrofit it into the 1980s, I feel like their perception of a idol is like more akin to like, you know, the, the post-World War Two like... I, I see what you're saying. Yeah. Like, that's what I'm assuming, and I, I think that's the cultural statement trying to be made, is that, like, no, this is a new type of occupation. It is no longer... Like, we, we now live in a decade of culture and economic bubble uh, and all of that good stuff. Yeah, I, 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 when we say that, I kind of think of today with the whole uh, influencer career path that's popped mm. up in the last couple of years, where some people yeah. are like, eh, and oh, I definitely see that because yeah. their folks are also like, this is a flash, flash in the pan kind of thing. It's never gonna work out. People are just gonna take advantage of you and all that unpleasant mm-hmm. stuff. And then into this argument. Like her dad drags Hikaru into it, and he's like, I, I, uh, 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 mm. and then. <laughs> Sorry, I, d- I didn't read this note until just now. <laughs> it's all good. I think I know the note that's making you laugh here. And then a gigantic <laughs> asshole named Kaifun shows up, comes down the stairs, and, um, and. While he's coming down, he makes it pretty clear that most people think the Macross's liftoff was covered up as an anti-UN attack. And yeah. we'll, we'll get clarification on this here soon. And then as soon as Minmei says, hey, it's my friend Hikaru. He's he's a soldier who saved my life. And Kai Foon's like, you're in the military. I don't like you. Way to go, you fucking baby killer. You 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 eat baby skulls and and uh, you you fuck tofu. Uh, you're <laughs> you evil. Fuck tofu. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know where that came from. That came from a place. Sure. <laughs> okay. You know he is a char, so I don't know. Um, <sighs> that's not right. how that works. I know it's totally not how that works, but that's, that's how my brain's going right now. <laughs> Alrighty. Okay. So we go back to the meeting, and the big wigs say, "Okay, we're not doing any peace talks with aliens. That's off the table." And all these people on the Macross, no. 
They're they're not coming off. As far as we're concerned, they're all dead. And we've covered this up. They know too much. Yes. Oh, yeah. Sorry. You're getting there. Yes. Um, We've covered this up already as an anti-UN attack and just said the Macross took off. So, like, they're dead. It doesn't matter. Uh, Your people here, we're going to use this as a bait. You're going to bait them um, because they're more interested in the Macross than us. So you're going to bait them. And while we get ready for a counterattack, and pretty much the big wigs, including Misa's dad, who's in this conference call, pretty much tell Misa and Global to fuck off. And we go back to Minmei, and her folks agree to let her go, but on the condition that Kaifun goes along. So defeated, Global and Misa take off for the Macross. And then while on the flight, Misa opens up a letter from her dad saying, hey, I'm sorry about this, but it's just what we have to do. There's more people at play in this decision than just me, and I need you to get off the Macross right now and come back. I'll have this arranged for you. And she's like, absolutely not, and rips up the letter. And we go back to Hikaru and Minmei and now Kaifun flying back towards the Macross. Yes. I was uh, actually, no, just keep talking. Okay, I'll I'll keep throwing. Okay, so they go keep going back towards the Macross, and there's weird cousin stuff going on in that back seat between Minmei and Kaifu and that Hikaru is oddly jealous of, and it's weird. They're it, the Linisters. Uh, uh, yeah. 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 <laughs> uh, yeah, there we go. <laughs> A game of Kunes, if you will. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> a Cune of Thrones. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what were you going to say, or do you want to save that no, for... No, that's what it was. It was the, uh, the Lannisters. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> mm, that, that stuff only continues. So, uh, we're rolling into episode 16, and everybody's back on the bridge. And they are, most of the bridge crew is not happy with this decision. And Global's like, we just got to keep going as normal. I I got to figure out what I'm going to tell the refugees on this. I he's, he's pretty much at a loss for words of what to do. And Misa tells everybody else, Global's in a bind. Like, we can't do anything. As much as you don't like it, we have to go with this. And... Then we switch perspectives back to Hikaru, Minmei, and Kaifun, and they walk into the Chinese restaurant, and Kaifun's mom and his dad are super happy to see him again. They thought they'd never see him again. And they're tearing and crying, and my son, he's back! And then we go back from this heartfelt reunion to Blue Wind, who is... Run out of rations. They are so hungry, so they break open a food display, and the store store owner notices. Why are you guys breaking? The, you guys must be hungry. You so, guys are eating fucking plastic. All yeah. right. Like she goes straight from, "Why are you trying to steal my store? You're going to pay for that window." To, "Oh, y'all must be starving." All right, let me help y'all out. <laughs> get in, get in my store now. I am making you the food. Um. Which is very kind of her yes, to not like, call the cops. I was I was actually kind of surprised how kind she was, being like, "Yo, boys, I'm just gonna feed you. 
you if you were breaking this you have a good reason uh store owner lady is a good person good person yeah. stamp of approval um so speaking of respective switches we go back to the restaurant and it's in a huge commotion because everybody in town's like kaifun's back we gotta go see oh. him and noted hero kaifun greatest man alive apparently um <sighs> I, it's not even going to become like obvious why I hate him until we get like real late in the show. Yeah, because we we don't see like my my personal hate and your hate for him comes from stuff we'll know in the future, even though he isn't too terrible in these episodes. Yeah, he he's just, just kind of stuck up. Yeah, like, which is annoying. But like, you know what? I'll get there once we we'll, once we'll we get, get there this when we get there. Yeah. yeah. Um so, we got a lot to talk about. Yes, we do. Um, okay. So Max, Misa, and the ladies uh, head on into the Chinese restaurant, and they bump into Hikaru, and they're wondering what's going on, and they get filled in on this commotion. And then Misa takes a look at, at Kaifu, and it's like, holy shit, he looks like Ryber. And... In the meantime, the mayor invites Kaifun over to meet everybody on the Macross, the whole crew there. And everything gets real silent when Kaifun's like, no, military people, they not good. And Hikaru's like, well, we didn't all necessarily choose to do this. We kind of did this out of necessity. And there's awkward silence that hangs over the table until TV pops on and we're like, we're going to play the Q-Cune for you all. And the QQ gets interrupted by a news report with the reporter saying, unfortunately, there's a quarantine on the Macross. Nobody can get off. And then everybody, all the civilians in that restaurant get pissed as hell and start turning on Misa and crew. And when they start berating them with questions to cars like we know just as much as you do but then a rando starts throwing the blame train at them for everything that has happened and in the scuttle uh, some rando tries to kidnap misa uh, trying to do some weird bargaining thing and max just punches this guy out and a fight breaks out between these civilians and our boys and it gets it gets nasty to the point where kaifun joins with our boys to start fighting and start knocking off people. And we learn, like Keanu Reeves, Kaifu knows Kaifu, Kung Fu. <laughs> and there's, then after that, there's more weird cousin stuff. And oh, no, it's fine. It's fine, yeah. dude. Oh, it's fine. Look at those cousins. It's weird because, like, you know that thing people joke about with the Deke dub of Sailor Moon? That oh. shit is happening right now in front of our eyes. Yeah, it is. Oh, <laughs> uh, they're just—they're just really close cousins, guys. It's fine. So, spoilers for people who haven't seen Macross. It's not fine. <laughs> it's not fine at all. Mm. Anyway. Uh, Misa offers her handkerchief to Kaifun to clean himself off. And she's like, and he's like, no, uh, y'all, you're in the military, so I'm not taking anything from you. And dick. he's such dick. Um, then we go back to the Zentradi for a minute, the Meltan specifically. And uh, uh, Laplamis learns that 
Comjean is headed out for another attack and is like, I'm going to clip your wings, mofo. And the bridge starts to notice, hey, there's an attack incoming. And then some random off-UN douche is like, that Macross is trouble. Attack is coming. <laughs> ah. And, ah. and we're back on the bridge. And what Kaifun was saying about the fighting is weighing pretty heavily on Misa. And Claudia is like, you're just boy doting, aren't you? And she kind of is, but kind of not at the same time. It's, it's complicated. Yeah. Um, and the Valkyries are scrambled to counter the attack. And Comjean's like, we're going to get the Macross to go into space so I can blow it up. I'm not supposed to be doing this, but if I only attack the Macross, we're fine. It, it doesn't mean anything. I'm not attacking the Earth. <laughs> and Hikaru's taking off, scrambling with the boys. And he's confused by weird cousin stuff. And then he's also confused about why our, this peace we're having right now, it's ending. And we have to kill more people. And why are we doing this? And he's just taking this out on Misa over the radio, as he has done once or twice before. And after a bit of fighting has gone by Noted after the... leader of all military everywhere, Misa Hayase. <laughs> yep. Captain Misa Hayase. Uh, true. Uh, yes. Um... Yeah, she... Oh, boy. Um, eh. So after a bit of fighting goes on, the Meltron come on in with the mission of, okay, we're not going to touch anybody on the Macross, but Comjean's guys, we're going to blow them up. However, Melee is also on this mission. She's all like, oops, I just blew up a Macross. <laughs> um. What a card. What a card. Green, green haired giant women. Love those blue haired men. Anyway, um, <laughs> Laplamus is true. Getting a little ahead of ourselves, aren't oh, we? Yeah. We're always ahead of ourselves. <laughs> <laughs> um, so Laplamus ends up strong arming Comjean to re- retreating. But before he goes, Comjean's like, we're going to kamikaze the Macross. It's going to be my little parting gift. And Hikaru and the guys in the meantime are still fighting off the battle pods. And Melia goes sipping by and Max and Kakizaki are like, just go after her. Um, just take out that lead guy. And he goes after her and they kind of evade each other. And the Macross is preparing a Daedalus attack, a ship punch to counter the Kamikaze. However, in the process of doing this, Misa freezes up thinking about Kaifun and all this stuff. And the punch goes a little too late, and the punch goes right through the ship instead of through it. And the missile volley takes off, and it hits Hikaru and a bunch of other people, and a bunch of collateral damage goes on. And Laplamis is sitting there taunting Kamjin for the failure of this kamikaze. However, the Mac Cross, it's still okay. It ends up winning, despite the missiles and the collateral damage. And from here, Global's like, Misa, get out of here. Your mind's wandering, and something's obviously going going around here. And she's she's kind of kind of broken. She's juggling what both Kaifun and Hikaru have said, and she's also still confused. Why does he look like Ryber? Why? What's what's up with this guy? And then we go back to Hikaru, who is. He is in terrible shape, and he's just drifting, floating in the ocean. 
and he's rescued. And as soon as he gets in there, they take him to a hospital and they start operating on him and cutting him up. And this is where we leave for these episodes for this week. All right. A lot of Yeah, like we were talking about last time we recorded um, just how things really got in motion. This momentum just keeps on carrying through to these episodes. Like this is the stuff here that I really started to remember when I really started getting into this show back the first time I watched it. This is a little taste of the good shit. Yeah, it is. Lap it on up. <laughs> it's delicious. So, uh, I, ah, oh gosh, I'm going through the notes now thinking of like every talking point I wanted to, uh, do. Um, I'm starting by looking at episode 13 just in case there was something I was missing or something that I wanted to talk about. Gotcha. I think we more or less covered it, but... Yeah, yeah I, I think mostly of... for episode 13, it was just them getting back to Earth and punching through it. Like, it was just like, bleh! <laughs> that's all I gotta say on that. I think the the big share of the stuff that's gone on was in episode 15, really, when they're having... When you're juggling back and forth between the UN meeting and then Hikaru and the awkward situation with Minmay's folks. And I, th- I think the biggest part on all this is like the cover up, how wide and spread and how unwilling the UN is willing to work with the people of the Macross on this because they're more concerned with, hey, how you know how people would react if aliens were to show up. So the sizable population of people, they can just fuck it right off. Yeah. <laughs> um. Okay. I guess like, yeah. Uh, looking at episode fifteen, the uh, first thing I want to talk about is Rick got his plane repaired. <laughs> That's awesome. Oh yeah, I did. I forgot that it got um shut down a little bit in the. Why they were it got, it got pretty messed up. I think I think Roy fixed it for him, but it's not like they could really do a lot of flying in space uh, anyway. No, I totally forgot about that. That that had been kind of dunged up while they were getting back into Earth. Yeah, so it, it's really nice to see Hikaru, uh, you know, be able to, you know, he's got his girl, he's got the plane, he's he should be happy, but he's also oh, you're talking like, about life that. is different. You're talking about that prop plane, right? Or is it? The, yeah, yeah, the prop plane. Gotcha. Um, oh, sorry. What did? I thought you were talking about the Valkyrie for a second, and I was like, Oh no, I'm sorry. I was oh, talking about good. The, the prop plane. I think that prop plane is actually the one Min May won in the Miss Macross contest, if I remember correctly. Oh, okay. Um, I must have missed that. Then. It's okay. Uh, I. It's like a catch it and you miss it thing because I. I think mm. I caught. I could be wrong. Um, cause it just happens so fast, but that makes it even sweeter, honestly. <laughs> yeah. Cause Minmay doesn't really have any use for that prop plane to begin with. And she's, she was the person who pretty much goaded Hikaru into joining the military. Cause Hey, at least you fly and Hey, you can fly like a normal person again, at least for a little bit here. Yeah. Like, you know, maybe a misguided bit of advice on her part, but like ultimately in the right place. Yes. Um, but like, yeah, the fact that like Minmay through her success is able to make amends with Hikaru's loss, 
I, I think that's really cool. Yes. I agree with that. Um, especially because it seems like, especially in this episode here, 15, that there's a lot of bridge mending in a way between Hikaru and Minmei. Like, there still is the weird cousin stuff that comes up, but they're both a little more... I feel like they're a little more understanding of each other's current positions in life. Yeah. Like, like well, I th- Minmei definitely is. Um, or I guess Minmei knows what Hikaru wants, but, you know, he's still in the service. So. Yes. I, she might not understand his circumstances, uh-uh. which I think is the the key difference. Though she um, definitely gets mm-hmm. a lot more now when she uh, from when she was being faced with the real possibility that he was never coming back from the Zentradi ship. Yeah, yeah. So I, I think I think they're making it. They could make it work. Yeah, they could, but we'll we'll see on that. We'll see because we'll definitely ride that wave. Because especially now that you have. Uh, uh, Tyrion, uh, Tyrone, Kaifun Lannister in this mix. Um, yeah, let's get to Kaifun real quick. Um, so, <laughs> I think, and this is going to be really weird saying this from me, but like, hearing this from me, but I get it. I, I didn't quite get it when I was ro- watching Robotech, but like, I get Kaifun at least insofar as his hatred for the military in Macross. Um, and like, I still think he's an asshole, but I guess I'll break it down real quick. So the unification war to my knowledge does not exist in Robotech. Um, and I think the the cover story that the UN comes up with is still in Robotech, but gotcha. like, it doesn't really make as much sense. Um, but, like, now with the knowledge that, like, there was a war to unify all the countries of Earth's nations um, into, like, one mega nation, and it's it feels almost imperial in retrospect, understanding that, like, you know, Kaifun was protesting this war, left his home, and then later learns that his home and his, uh, his family, his cousin, were all killed by anti-UN sentiment, like, they're like, Oh great! My I lost my family to enemies. Our country made, or the military made. So I definitely get his anger and his mistrust. Like, I, I get, I get more of Kaifun now because, because at least for me, I get overshadowed by the to the lengths he goes further on in the show. But at this point, yeah, he's a lot more understandable, even though he is a bit standoffish in all yeah. his activities like especially with the whole handkerchief thing with misa but he doesn't he doesn't seem like the worst like he he's actively he's actively wanting to diffuse conflict because he wouldn't have jumped into that let's just call it a bar brawl for the sake of ease he wouldn't have jumped into that if he didn't want to diffuse the conflict like he's he's pretty staunch on yeah, I used Kung Fu, but it was defensive. Like, I, I wanted to end this fighting instead of having it go on. That seems yeah. to be his prerogative of uh, we'd rather stop this instead of having any conflict. Even if it's internal or external, let's let's nip this in the bud and not have it happen. Yeah. Um, And I think... 
Yeah, man. Fuck. Fuck him, though. <laughs> yeah, yeah. He goes he goes to places where I'm just slow, like, you, you can't see it, but both my middle fingers are out at, fl- flaring at the screen right now. Um, but for right now, I he's tolerable. It. He's tolerable. Yes. Um, I think the biggest issue I'm having is. Excuse me. I think the biggest issue I'm having right now with like the uh, Kaifun Hikaru Minmei dynamic is that I feel like a lot of the tensions between Hikaru and Kaifun could be a result of Minmei just being like, he joined the military at my suggestion. Yeah. Yeah. Um, he wanted to be, he, he really didn't care much for the military, but he he's a stunt flyer and he broke his plane. He was depressed. So I suggested that as a way to keep doing what he loves. Yeah, that, yeah, that'd be a great way of just a simple conversation like that, diffusing it. But then I wonder what if Kaifun would then turn on Minmei saying, well, you just progressed this war stuff because you had good, good. Cause you know what that means? That means that like he stays the fuck away from her. Yes. Cause I, cause I, I think too, like, I don't know, this whole cousin stuff stuff thing, it's just like, like I'm trying to rationalize it as, oh, they're just close cousins, but the way they talk to each, especially the way she talks to him, Mm -hmm. uh, like, you don't have a girlfriend, do you, or anything like that? Like, a lot of things she is saying is reminiscent of things she has said to Hikaru, and it's just weird, leaving this weird, weird taste in my mouth that I don't like. Yeah, no, I. It's not a good. It's not a good feel. No, it's not a good mouth feel. Ugh, oh, mm, uh, mm. that. Mm, you, <laughs> um. <laughs> oh boy. You you gotta stop doing this, man. I I I I can't stop myself. I'm sorry. You are you are literally Tobias Funke every time we do these episodes. <laughs> I uh I blew myself. <laughs> oh boy. <laughs> you know this will only get worse eventually when we get Chris in a room with us to do something oh, like boy. this. Oh boy. It's it's going to be 20 times worse. <laughs> yeah, no I believe it. <laughs> oh. But um <laughs> Yeah, all I was all I was going to say, shit, what was I going to say? Um So, yeah, we we talked about like the logic behind Kaifun's uh standoffishness. Um There was something else on that like angle I wanted to talk about. Um I mentioned how it could be resolved with like Minmei talking about like Yeah, I I feel like he just and he, he has the same problem that, like, the, the Macross people, the people of Macross City, rather, have, where it's, like, kind of thinking that, like, every soldier is privy to every decision the brass yeah, make. that one rando, he was yelling and screaming at Misa, um, saying, oh, you should know all this. Yeah, I get that. Um, just because they get all thrown into the same bucket there. Yeah. So, I think... Like, the only other things I have to think about these episodes is we do really start to see a divide between... There's, like, a three-way divide going on here um, mm-hmm. between the UN Spacey, who wants absolutely nothing to do with the Macross, and then that 
divide. It's like it's 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 its own hate triangle um, <laughs> between the UN Spacey. The crew of the Macross is like, you people have no idea what's going on here. And then the people of the Macross who want to get off the ship after being on there for a year and are angry and confused. And I bet you having Kaifood on the ship is only going to make it worse as time goes on. Probably. So. Like, I, I definitely get it. And I know the type of person Kaifood represents. Um... But, like, actually kind of reminds me of Forrest Gump a little bit. I can see that a little bit. Yeah, the, uh, what, whatever Jenny's ex-boyfriend was. Mm, I yeah, the, the Black Panther dude. Yeah, yeah. Uh, man. The white dude who is a Black Panther? <laughs> or at least the white dude who associated with the yeah. Black Panthers. Um... I don't know if he was actually a member of the Black Panthers, just because I don't remember if, like, how exactly the Black Panthers recruited people. Gotcha. Um, but, yeah, no, there, there's definitely that tone of, like, a, whoa, man, you got drafted? You should have fucking skipped out on their asses, man. Man. You must really love violence, man. And that that's that's the type of person Kaifun is. Yeah. I I think like we've been saying, it will definitely get worse as time goes on. I think Menace Beginning, Kaifun is very restrained from where he gets to, but Yeah, yeah. Well yeah. Uh I I, I think we've talked enough about Kaifun. Yes. Um, like the only other in things a vacuum. Yes. I was gonna open this up to uh his Resemblance to Ribble, because I'm not sure if that actually goes anywhere or if it's just a happy coincidence. I feel like it might go somewhere. If you remember, like, just don't tell me then. To but I, I guess it's just kind of an interesting like thing that Misa sees Ribble in, or Ribber rather, Riber, uh, I think, or something. Riber. That dude with the R in his name. I'm thinking of like Rivel. Huh? I, I'm thinking of like Rivel from Code Geass. <laughs> <laughs> but uh yeah Ryber uh it's weird when it's a name you only see in subtitles yeah <laughs> cause like you remember the spelling more than you remember the pronunciation um like yeah. speaking of that I was looking in there's like notes in the no it's not on this but I was looking on the the Wikipedia page for Comgene for a second and they mm-hmm. spell his name with a Q and some Z's, and... Oh, no. <laughs> I'm not kidding. It's like Quasimine is how they spell it. <laughs> That's terrible. <laughs> uh, names names are weird. Um, but yeah, it would be, uh, I don't remember how the whole Ryber Misa Kaifun thing goes further from here, but it'll be interesting, because you obviously... Mm-hmm. She she has uh, that Rick Ricario Hunter Joe on her mind too. So yeah, yeah. Um. Okay. So I think the last thing I wanted to talk about was uh, the crux of Misa's character development for this episode. Go on ahead, my boy. All right. Um. Yeah. So it's it, it's really interesting and satisfying to like you know 
we see Misa at her lowest, like, I want to say two weeks ago now. Maybe yeah. it was last week. Um, where, you know, she's really just kind of joins the military. You know, she was raised in a military family, but she didn't really... It wasn't really until, like, the that dream of being stationed on Mars with uh, Ryber that she was really, like, you know, that's what she was looking forward to. That was her end goal. Um, and so it's really interesting to kind of see her recover from that, and now she's been... She's really starting to become embraced by the Macross crew because she is allowing herself to open up to other people. And it this character arc has a very nice, maybe not capstone, but turning point when she's talking to her father and, you know, they have to keep it professional. But, like, as negotiations are going south, like, she, you know, she flat out calls him dad. And it's like, you gotta listen to me. Like, this is serious business. And... You know, that, like, flat-up rejection to her from her father. And the subsequent, like, you know, he apologizes later in the letter, but by then it's too late. Yeah, and the fact, too, that he does this in a letter and not in person or anything, it's kind of like that cowardly go-behind just to save face for him. Yeah, and, like, you know, it, it almost feels like this is who she was being for like those those first like five or six episodes. Yes. Um, like and so you know when she rips up that letter. That's her like finally taking a stand and rejecting like you know this purely militaristic upbringing she's had. Yeah, it's really good stuff. Yeah, <laughs> it is because at this point too, when like you said, when she's ripping that up, she I feel like for me is she's now dedicated herself to the people of the Macross. Like the people of the Mm -hmm. Macross and the crew of the Macross, we are, we are our own Island. We are our own nation in this nonsense. And we realize nobody's going to help us now. We gotta, we gotta buckle up and do this together. Um, because like, like I said, nobody's going to have their backs in this. The UN made it very clear. Uh, we don't care about you. Our cover up is more important. And, uh, yeah, it's goodbye. Do your thing. <laughs> so. And so I guess like now with the introduction of this guy who looks like her old flame, um, that kind of opens up an interesting thing where it's like, all right, so now I've kind of rejected or now now I have reevaluated what my priorities are. And here is someone who reminds me of someone I like who's interests are the complete opposite of what I'm working towards. Yes. And how do I how do I deal with that? How do I resolve that? And especially somebody who isn't super receptive to whatever reasoning she's going to give for yeah. what's going on. Cuz yeah. like like they like they said before like the situation they're in right now with the Macross, a lot of them didn't necessarily choose that. It came out of necessity. Like this, this goes even far beyond the nonsense we were talking about that happened during the Unification War, which mm-hmm. makes sense of why people are up against the military and why that's been thrown onto this situation, because that's just what the people know of what's happened aside from this nonsense they've been in space for the past year. Yeah. So, yeah. 
That, that, it's uh oh sorry Go no ahead. that was that was that's what I have that's all folks <laughs> okay. um yeah so uh I think I don't know what I think um talked about Kaifun talked about Misa those are two thing big things that come off the top of my head I I I I think two through these episodes I like Global even more because he's very. He's so pragmatic about things and he's very on the side of the people like when he Mm -hmm. even though it's not the best broadcasting that announced. But, hey, you can't leave the mag cross was not the best way to do it. He he's still trying to do his best for the people because he realizes he has he has kind of two very weighty responsibilities on his on his shoulders, one of being the captain and the admiral and the guy who runs runs this ish. And at the same time, mm. he's kind of he's kind of the figurehead for the people of where to go forward. You do have the mayor and Min May, but most of that stuff's being directed towards him as kind of like the facing outward face of the military. I remember what the last thing I wanted to uh, to talk about. Okay. So we talk about we've talked about Kaifun, we've talked about Kaifun and Misa, and we've talked about the weirdness of Kaifun and Minmei, but I feel like we should talk about like maybe the more legitimate side of Kaifun and Minmei. Yeah, cuz I because uh, with some I, of this mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh with some of the stuff <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> it's all good. Um, with some of the stuff I see it's just kind of it, I don't know, it's kind of like a some of it uh, like a disregarding the weirdness is just kind of like very friendly family esque kind of stuff you'd have with your family members, but the rest of it's kind of in a weird mire there. Um, yeah. So yeah, what what's your take on that? <laughs> so I I will notice, and this is probably the biggest like establishing moment I think in this weird love triangle that is developing between uh, Minmei, Kaifun, and he uh hikaru uh i think the 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 big moment is when um minmei's parents are like why don't you just settle down with this nice young soldier over here and hikaru's just like oh uh and then doesn't say anything to like either flock to minmei's defense or you know he doesn't tell her outright like oh you should settle down with me but like we know rick as a character we've been watching him for at this point, 14 episodes. Yeah. We know what he's thinking. Um, and meanwhile, uh, Lynn Kyle, Lynn Kyle, I'm sorry. You're good. Uh, Lynn, <laughs> Lynn Kaifun is like, Hey, you know what? It should be fine if I'm with her. Right. And, you know, supporting her dreams might be one of the most attractive things to Minmay. Yeah. Cause he's, he's all behind her. It's just, like that that's the good thing about the relationship that he has her back but at the same time we'll it, get there uh it, <laughs> we'll, I, it, get, we'll there. get there but still it's just like like i was saying it's like the bad it's i'm not gonna say it again but the bad stuff that you that leaves a bad yeah i'm not going there i'm not i'm not funking this up um yeah the weird cousin stuff that just yeah makes it very weird um. Okay, and yeah, uh, Lindman. I I know I'm dragging this episode. You're out. good. I You're keep good. Thinking of things to talk about. Um. 
Lynn Minmay. So she's and I, I think like this this is gonna be more of a general discussion about like idol culture. Um but like yeah, no, she is fucking coasting on success right now. She is doing really well and she's keeping that ball rolling. And it it got me thinking about like, you know, you have celebrities who like, oh, I'm a movie star, oh I'm a pop star. And like, you know, I I, I I'm always aware of this, but like I never really think about it until I realize like, oh, Japanese idols are have to be everything. Yeah. Not to mention the crazy schedules they're on. Like I know yeah. like most actors and whatever have crazy schedules to begin with. But mm. I remember listening to interviews from like idols within recent years or people talking about it, like on movie sets and like a lot of those girls only have like 20 minutes in a cab to sleep like a day if they're lucky. Oh, jeez. Like it's just a bunch of weird, super crazy working conditions. Like hell, Min May's talking about like she passes out after she's done talking about, hey, I got this LP. Hey, I got this movie. Like yeah. the exhaustion and the overwork is real. Yeah. God. Um. And, like, you know, I, I think, like, Min May is lucky to not have a manufactured personality because uh, she's just popular naturally. Yeah. Um, but it's it's really it's really nuts. And I though I it's, will. It's, oh, sorry. Go, go ahead. Um, say what you're going to say real quick and then I'll get to my point. OK, it's it's very interesting to me because, like, you know, the the entire thing about Macross that makes Macross stand out as not only a mecha anime, but also a work of science fiction is that, you know, the thing that makes the human race different from, like, you know, animals and, like, any potential, like, Klingon Klingon-esque races out there is that, you know, we, we have the proto-culture. We have culture. And, you know, I think what Macross is trying to say about culture is that it is a weird mating ritual. Like it, it is all building up to like the fact that like we, we don't simply reproduce. We have like this whole weird culture around like bringing men and women together, which I realize is very heteronormative in the year of our Lord 2019. Yep. Um, but like, I, I think that's kind of what they're going for is that like what makes the human race special is that like we create art um through and this art kind of informs our uh evolutionary necessity like it i i'm rambling right no, now but I, I totally I'm hoping, get you like what because, i'm saying yeah, yeah, I, yeah i get what you're saying because because of the art and the things we put out there it's all part of the experience of moving our race forward and doing that classic thing of uh, going forth and multiplying it, it, it all compounds onto each other to be more than just uh, copulating and putting more humans out there. It's, it's, it's a more intimate, more personal process than yeah. say the Centradi just making test tube babies. Yeah. And so, you know, with all of that in mind, I think it's just, it's interesting that, like, you know, the fact that, like, the entire thesis of Macross, you know, is focused around culture, that Minmei, who is 
both a product and a producer of said culture, a symbol of said culture, as you will, is basically suffering because of it. Yeah. Like, she isn't quite there yet, but you can tell, like, it's... She's not, it's not wearing on her yet, but you can tell that, like, she is missing a vital part of life by becoming this symbol. There's a couple cracks here and there, if you will. Yeah, exactly, exactly. And and to go on that, the other point I was thinking of, it was very interesting to see once Minmay was off the Macross and with her parents, like, nobody really cared, um... Who about yeah, her fame? Holy shit. Yeah, I didn't even think about that because it, it showed how oh at, the, at the same time how fleeting uh, her popularity and her fame is. Oh god, <laughs> we getting in there now, fam. I'm sorry, I've peeked the microphone a You're couple good. times just You're now. Good. But holy shit, dog! <laughs> like to everybody off the Macross, Min May, and what's been going on. She's a like, product. Yeah, it means nothing to them. Like, because, you know, Minmay is the spark that is like, oh, yeah, I got to get me a girl just like Minmay. Um, but like, you know, and again, that that is me working within the heteronormative co- uh, confines of, you know, the writing of a show that came out in 1982. Yeah. Um, but. Yeah, no, the the fact that, like. Minmay is just ah, oh, dude. I'm gonna be thinking about this a lot when we continue watching the show. Yeah, because I think what well, we'll get to it, but I think this is like a start of that microcosm that to the people. Because let's be honest here, if it wasn't for the Miss Macross contest and the fact that basically everybody on the Macross knew who Minmay was to begin with, if you put this in a real life situation where it's just a normal idol contest or something. It's like it almost turns her into a one in a million chance when you think about it. Like there could have been like 50 of that super famous lady in the competition against her in a real life scenario, you know? Um, Yeah, yeah. It just shows how fleeting her fame is and how kind of she had the cards stacked in her favor when it came to the Miss Macross contest. You know, it's she wouldn't have gotten this far if it wasn't for the people of the Macross and the small microcosm that created, because like with her parents, she's like, what you're, you're not famous. You, you don't have five movies and an album and all this you're doing. You're talking crazy girl. You're, 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 you're nuts. You're not actually doing all this, you know? Um, mm. It's very interesting to think of that microcosm, the Macross. Cause like, like I said, and repeating myself on, Minmay wouldn't have her fame and popularity if it wasn't for the people of the Macross. Yeah. Um. I want to end it there, but there was an interesting tidbit a friend sent me as I was talking about Macross with him. Uh, this is from my friend CJ, who I watched Robotech with and Do You Remember Love with. And he, I, I was talking to him about uh, Kyle's stance, or Kai Foon's stance on the military, rather, um, as we were watching, as I was watching the episodes in the original Japanese. And so he was talking about, like, uh, because CJ studies, uh, I think it's contemporary Japanese history. Gotcha. Um, he, he talks about, uh, he said, I think this ties in very well with how Japanese people then and even now view expansion of the military budget. 
uh, self-defense force, not really a military, but I'm pretty sure that was Shinzo Abe's grandfather that kind of forced its creation onto people. Ironically, Shinzo Abe currently wants to expand their capabilities. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) So just a little fun tidbit uh, out there. Also, Shinzo Abe noted a person trying to create media that encourages the birth rate to go up nowadays. Let me tell you about a little show (laughs) called Darling in the Franks, am I right? (laughs) (laughs) Got that... That idol anime stuff started to backfire, I guess. <laughs> Shinzo Abe is all like, so you you all going to kyun kyun and make the protoculture for Japan, please. <laughs> uh, well, all right. I, is, is that all we have in our bag of cats for this week? I think that is. Let's let's head into the plug central. So, uh, you can find us, uh, our podcast, Do You Remember Macross, on anchor.fm slash do do you remember. We also, on Spotify, Google Play, Apple Podcasts, shoot us those reviews, give us those stars, whatever you'd like. We'd love to hear from you. And also, thank you to all the people who are listening to us right now. We appreciate every one of you. And then we're also on Facebook at facebook.com slash do do you remember? Same at Twitter at do do you remember? And if you have any hot questions or want to educate us, please, CJ, email us at dyrmcast at gmail.com. And then uh, I was going to say he gets out of school uh, either this week or next week so I can I can get him to start listening. Yes. Do I would like to hear his historian man opinions on things. Um, and then we go on to the huge mouthful plug to our, our good friend, our good artist, Chris Eakins, artist of the shooting up wrist system. He provided the show's key art. So to see more of his work and keep up to the development of the game, check out at wrist system underscore game on Twitter. And also uh, wrist system drops on steam May 14th. So we'll be able to play that shoot em up goodness by then. I'm excited to check what, that that's out. Two weeks. It is two weeks. Uh, holy. So April has just gone by like crazy for me. So I. Yeah, it's been a weird month. I don't know what time is. While, 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 I, uh, while I reconcile what time is, uh, Dylan, please tell me, what are you up to these days? Um, all right. So uh, I am a semi-regular guest on the Unexplored podcast, or rather the Unexplored cast. Their Twitter handle is at unexploredcast, no spaces or underscores or anything. And you can listen to their episodes at uh, unexploredcast.libsyn, L-I-B-S-Y-N dot com. Um, But the main thing that I'm in is I co-host a podcast, Backstage Gaming, with your friend and mine, Dreamboat Chris Wilson. Uh, We talk about video games, how video games convey their stories, plot details. We compare them with uh, theater uh, this week's episode, Chris did a solo episode talking about how God of War 2018 evokes the the pathos of Anton Chekhov. So it's pretty good. I listened to it while jogging today. Um, Chris can carry his own. Yeah, Chris uh, wrote a very good check off. Ha, I cashed that in. It was good. God. <laughs> I'm terrible. <laughs> but, um, yeah, so if you want to check us out there, it's uh, you can find us on Twitter 
at bsg underscore cast, or you can go to our main website at www.bsgpod.com. We are on iTunes, we're on Spotify, uh, we're on YouTube. You can find us in plenty of places. Check out their Patreon, it's pretty cool. Check out our Patreon. I'm going to type that in my notes. <laughs> type, check out our Patreon. <laughs> Well, all right. I, is that is that? Have you plugged all your holes? Um, that sounds yeah, like think, a euphemism. <laughs> I mean, like I feel like you've made that one before, so I rolled right past it. Okay, uh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, no, I, I think that's that's good. All right, I, I'm not really in anything else currently. Gotcha. Well, all right, folks. Thank you for listening this week. This has been Coop. And I'm Dylan. Thank you for listening. Have a great week. Bye-bye.